Sustainable, the podcast, is listened to in 20 countries over five continents and features inspiring interviews with leaders of sustainable practices. With your host, Tabby Jane, CEO and founder of EarthSelf, creating a global movement to educate leaders and organizations on the transformative power of nature-centered business. In episode 58, I spoke with Sandra Felton, Managing Director of Flagship, the first CSR consulting company based in the Czech Republic, to find out more about how we can make sustainability simple. Today, I'm speaking to Otto Ruchlin. Otto Ruchlin is founder and director of Peer Administration, which provides a comprehensive package of accounting and tax services for businesses and non-profit organisations. 70% of their employees are highly trained financials that have a so-called occupational disability. A typical client of Peer Administration is MUD, the jean company disrupting the fashion industry through its innovative circular economy business model of leasing jeans. Growing up, Otto experienced homelessness as a teenager and was taken in by a family who helped and supported him as he became an economist and interim manager. After working with a coach, Otto was able to overcome the insecurity and self-consciousness that plagued him throughout his adult life and went on to found peer administration, bringing with him a passion for diversity and inclusion that has led his business to success. Welcome, Otto. It is great to have you on Sustainable today. Thanks. So the first question that I have for you, Otto, is what are the benefits of bringing diversity and inclusion into the workplace? Can I say uh, two things in advance? Please. In the first place, we call the company now just Peer. Okay. Which actually means, in Dutch, means pear, like like an apple. Mm-hmm. So it is, a, it is also a pun to apple, basically. Think different. Um, and um, the second thing is, indeed, 70% of the people are highly trained people with an occupational disability. But the other 30% at this moment are actually um, accountants from refugee countries. So I have um, Syrian accountants working now, which makes the place even more diverse. Um, and that works very well. Um, and now your question, what, what, what was the... Well, what are the benefits of bringing diversity and inclusion into the workplace? And I, I like what you've said there, because you've just told me that your your workforce is made up of 70 people with occupational disabilities. Now, I'm not even sure what we 70%. mean by... 17 or 70? Uh, 70%. 70, yes. And then the other are Syrian refugees. Yeah. So... What let's let's break this question down. I suppose what first of all for you is the benefits of having such a diverse yeah. workforce, and then how does that translate for other companies? I think I always say we are a normal company, and the other the others are strange because <laughs> um, people are diverse, and there is somehow this idea in management books and in trainings, etc that you should work according to some kind of formats. Mm. And sometimes that's good. And there are also, of course, very good books and trainings and very good managers. But uh, we tend to, to, to take the model as reality and then we lose people. And since we don't work with subsidies or something, we don't use more uh, things than, that, than other companies can use like government schemes, 
um, the question is why is it why can the people work in our company and not in the others mm. and that is because I think we act normal and acting normal means looking at the real person and when you really want to look at the real person you also really have to look at yourself mm-hmm. so if somebody has a, a disability like autism or something physical um, um, somebody is a bit more vulnerable than other people but um, it works because I and everybody in my firm shows you know everybody shows their own uh, vulnerability but I think that should be how you work in general so um, maybe in the future maybe we can um, help other companies who want to create jobs for people with some kind of, let's say, vulnerability. Mm. Uh, but then we won't be focused on the, these so-called handicapped people. We will be focused on the managers and the team. And if you work that way, I think it benefits the team because you see the diversity in the whole team and you you can you're able to um, well to bring people to a higher level I think so we don't do anything else than maybe good management and then I won't say that I'm a good manager because I'm a, I also have my weak points but you know that's all in the game mm. I think I think I like what, what what you've said there is the the real key benefit of having diversity in the workplace is it makes stronger teams. And yes. listening to what you're saying there, I mean, it, it reminds me of nature, you know. And I, I I like obviously learning from nature. And one of nature's great great teachings is the more diversity that you have, the stronger an ecosystem. And yes. it's it's that same what you're exactly saying. We have a stronger team because of the diversity and the ability of of our team members to bring their different qualities to show their real selves within the workplace. Yeah, in as far, I mean, we're not uh, hugging or something. Huh? We are um, an accountancy firm, you yeah. know. So it is not um, not um, uh, fluffy or something, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's just, and it's not that everybody, you know, some people find it very difficult to talk about themselves and they don't have to. Mm. You know, but it is more an underlying feeling or attitude. Or, there's space for being yourself. Mm. We we never have job. We don't have job descriptions because we try to fit the job. Uh, how do you how do you say it? To fit the job to the person. Yeah. Know, instead of the person to the job description. Yeah. But in the, again, there, it, I think there's nothing special. But a lot of people think have strange ideas about how you should work together. <laughs> I think this is this is part of the challenge, is it? How do we work together? Because I mean, one of the questions that I I I'm, I know your your take on this, but I want to ask this because I think the listeners would be really interested. Is you know you're you're basically saying, well, we're a normal company. We try to um, fit people to jobs, not jobs to people. Um, we're really giving people space to to be themselves. So then, do you need special skills as an employer to hire? Sorry, it's the other way around. So we try to fit jobs to people, not 
Perfect. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. No. Thank. Thank you. Correct me. I meant yeah. yes. Put people to to jobs there. So, do you need special skills as an employer to hire people with occupational disabilities? Because that seems to be a a commonly held assumption within no. many areas. No. No. That's that's. It's a good question because that assumption is exactly part of the problem. Mm. Um. Oh, it's very special people, so I, I need to do something very special, which is in a certain way without, I mean, people come from a good place, but it is discrimination because you need to act special with everybody. I mean, if you're a bit sensitive, you always look, you know, at the person that you're communicating with and you're always communicating a little bit different. I think the most important thing is that you are a little bit aware of something like feelings, like your own feelings, like feelings of others. Um, uh, but as soon as you, you think you should do something very special, you actually basically exclude the other person. And it's one of my some. I, I once one time I got a question from some kind of fund that uh, had a lot of money, and they said, "Oh." We would like a handicapped person uh, on Friday afternoons, and this person should be. And then a, a description followed of somebody who's totally brilliant. And um, so they only liked somebody. Well, like a, an employee of mine said, "I don't want to be a rabbit. Mm. You know, I don't want to be a pet." Yeah. You know, they were looking for a pet. Um, do you understand what I mean? I so do. They, I think, I mean... Just, we're not pets. We're just uh, ordinary people. Yeah. I think it's... it's, it's the, the, the key things, what I've heard from there for you is, one, you need to have empathy, which is being aware of your own feelings and other people's feelings. But also hearing that, you know, and it's, it's, it's really powerful. I don't want to be a pet. We are sitting and ticking boxes to say, well, we're including people, but let's let, let's fit them in. When you said rabbit, I was like, yeah, we put them in cages, we put them in boxes, and we're treating yeah. them in a special way because we're wanting to show that we're inclusive and we're, you know, diverse with other people, but we're not really respecting them as individuals. Well, you're not looking at yourself if you ask, if, if you know, people who, who have that kind of approach don't look at themselves. They, they, they don't, I mean, obviously some people do, you know, um, uh, we, we never talk about handicaps without, about the manual, you know, we all have a manual, every, and everybody has a manual. So then some people, of course, the manual is a bit more complex and, and more pages. Um, so I don't deny that some people have, do have handicaps. Um, but um, as long as you're not aware that, in a way, that you also have your own manual, and that actually your own manual is the main thing that you can work on. I mean, everybody who's a manager knows how difficult it is to manage people, because you can't manage people. I'm I'm struggling day by day by because I want to control or whatever. I can't. I can only see, look at myself. What what. what? You know, at this moment, I'm a bit stressed because uh, well, we have to do a lot of um, text statements. And uh, yeah, you know, 
I need to work on myself and not on not on on team members who perhaps did not plan something right or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's really important of what you've shared there because I mean it's it's a real vulnerability of you coming and acknowledging that you are stressed at this precise moment, especially in the interview. And you mentioned it earlier on at the beginning, vulnerability. So why is vulnerability a key skill for a leader? Um, because it is a key, well, a skill, skill makes it already a little bit technical, but I, I understand what you mean. Mm. But um, if you can be vulnerable, you can listen to your own feelings. And I think that's, in general, something that's very helpful if you work with people as a manager or whatever, or as a salesman or as a, as a, as a nurse or whatever. It doesn't matter so much. And some people don't. I mean, we, we have some... Well, it, it's very, it's actually very peculiar because we have quite a lot of people in the autistic, in the autistic spectrum. Mm. So then there's this myth that they are not sensitive. They are in their own way. Um, and actually they're, that's scientifically proven, better capable of growing as a person, uh, of learning as, a, as an adult. Mm. Okay, I'm, distract, I'm, I'm distracting a little bit, but... Basically, being able to be a bit vulnerable means that you can look at yourself. And I'm not perfect in this. I mean, I, I'm, I can fail in these things. Anyway, like everybody. Well, I, I think what's really important there is what you said is by being able to look at ourselves, we then become more em empathetic to the people that we work with and we're able to actually develop better relationships. And people be also other people also become more empathetic. That's the funny thing. In that way, you influence, you do influence your environment. Mm. And that's also the way we work with clients. So, actually, although I mean we're a startup, we are three and a half years old now, but uh, we will, we are becoming better than uh, many of our competitors mm. because of this. Because we really stand next to the client and many clients are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs uh, have um, a lot of stress and, and, you know, and we, well, we do their accounting so and their taxes. So we, um, uh, we are often uh, one of their closest ad advisors because we know almost everything of them. Mm. And... Um, well, you might think of an accountant as a dry person who only works with figures, but essentially a good accountant is um, is uh, is something like a business friend. How do you say that? And actually, we are. So it is a competitive, it is becoming, we're not perfect yet, but it is becoming a competitive advantage. Yeah. And I, I, I like that because it's exactly what you say. We, we've got this, this stereotypical image of accountants and what you're saying is, well, actually, we need empathy and people skills as accountants the most because we're, we're, we're one of the most trusted advisors within businesses to help them give that overview. And by taking the time to focus on empathy, vulnerability within your own organisation, that is leading you to have a competitive advantage over other people in the field. Yeah. So... 
I have a kind of feeling that you are probably going to to give a an, an answer for this question. I'm curious to see if it's the one that I'm thinking of. So then if we've got businesses and organisations who want to become more diverse and inclusive, what is the best way for them to get started? Uh, why, why would you want to become more diverse and inclusive? Well, I suppose is that is that, is that the first starting point for organisations that they have well, to question I, I their own motivations? Why, why, I, I don't see it as a goal in itself. Okay. I mean, uh, do what feels good. Hmm. And um, so I'm also I'm a I'm also a little bit skeptical about the whole movement of social enterprises, etc. Because we are. I just started this company because, you know, the things that I talk about are things that, uh, for all kinds of reasons, um, uh, I'm busy with, you know, I'm busy with with personal growth and, 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 and it has something to do with my life history. So my company is, is in a certain way an expression of, of well, of, of, of myself or of, or of parts of myself. So, um, uh, I, I, I think it's always good to stay with yourself and, and, um, um, and yeah, some people then for somehow, for some reason encounter issues of diversity or something like that. Hmm. Well, actually, for me, it's not about diversity. It's about vulnerability, as I said. Um, so, um, uh, there, there is a, a, an enormous risk that it becomes a thing on a list to tick off, you know? Do you understand what I mean? That That, yeah. that it becomes a, a, how do you call that... Um, a KPI, you know, key performance indicator. Are we diverse? Are we sustainable? Are we this or that? Mm. I um, maybe that's important. I don't know. I have no no real opinions about that. Um, as everybody, I'm worried about uh, about the environment, but um, I actually believe in technology as the main uh, as the main. Uh, thing to 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 save the environment, but hmm. so I'm. Do you understand? I'm thinking out aloud. I'm a bit um, stay with yourself. You know, that's the main thing. And I see that good entrepreneurs also. Some people are extremely commercial, you know. But good entrepreneurs, for example, they stay with themselves. But this, it's the same for a doctor or for. Somebody who lays bricks in the streets, you know, mm-hmm. are you a bit, well, maybe I talk a little bit about authenticity and the risk that that gets lost. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, although most of my clients are, you know, are in the sustainability business or in the people's, you know, work. Other, um, I, I'm not uh, an advocate of sustainability or something. Mm. Uh, and that is because I, I, I am at the same time, but it is because it so easily becomes a set of words instead of something real. Yeah. So I'm an advocate of being real. 
Yeah. And I, I, I like that because it's getting back to the whole point. The, the, the question there is, what is the best way to become more diverse and inclusive? We'll just start by being real and being authentic and let it come from that place of authenticity rather than looking at it as a key PI and something to check off and be something that you do. It's something that you be, not do. Would that be an accurate summary? Yeah. And if you don't like sustainability, you know, don't bother about it. Do 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 what 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 is good for you, and then probably you will be good for others anyway. I love that. That's that's my favorite favorite bit of advice there <laughs> coming out. Not not what I expected, but I, I I really like that because I think it's a case of if we're more aligned with who we are, we're naturally more su- sustainable anyway. Um, it's what I'm hearing Probably, you say. Probably, and not in everything, because we need to be a little bit, I mean, if we totally uh, have no boundaries, I think things also go wrong. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. So then how has this focus on, I was going to say diversity and inclusivity, but let's rechange it. How has this focus on vulnerability impacted the way that you now live your life? Well, at this moment, uh, it, it has positive and it's negative sides, because actually I started this firm and now... I work too much at this moment, so my life is too much concentrated on my firm. Um, but since I worked a lot on myself and and and, and um, was able to to um, be less afraid of all my emotions and feelings, I have become myself. I have become. I have changed. I have. I, in the past, I was quite um, self-conscious and I could be easily quite aggressive with words. I could get angry pretty easily. And I've changed. Um, I'm not perfect, but I've, I'm more quiet, more uh, more inward looking. Um, and that has somehow resulted in this firm. And at this moment, basically my biggest challenge, personal challenge is to get my life back because now that my life is the firm and then I immediately encounter you know wh- why do I work so hard you know what is that mm. something to do with perhaps uh, fear to fail or something of course I like to work hard and entrepreneurs have to work hard but you know there's more than uh, than work mm. and I tend to uh, in the, I, I've, I've seen in the past half year that I've I got a bit lost in that, so that's my challenge for the for the coming uh, time. Mm. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that because what 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 I love about what you've shared there is, I think it is easy as an entrepreneur when you're kind of starting out to be building something and get caught up with almost your identity becomes the company that you're building because you need to put so much energy into it. Yes, and and of course the company that's a good one because of course the company is connected to it it grew out or you know it is uh, it its seed was planted in my identity mm. so it is a bit <laughs> I, i'm i'm laughing because um i i'm looking in a mirror in a way while talking <laughs> so it is a bit a bit of a catch-22 you know how, how can you say and and uh, basically uh, what i need there's something like I have to, but if you say I have to, it means I don't want to. Mm. But basically what I need is to really sit, you know, and relax, like 
meditate, let literally or not literally, but mm -hmm. stop this this energy. Um, you know, this this stop being in this on this uh, motorway and driving 100, 150 miles an hour all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, quick change of question: Who do you most admire and why, Otto? Well, admire maybe if if it's okay, I say who inspires me. Yes. Because, um, uh, well, very important is Elizabeth Henderson. She is the founder and director of something that's called the Recess College. And um, that's uh, a London-based school. Um, and Elizabeth really um, got to my core and my soul and... Um, I've worked a lot with her, and that has been of crucial importance in my life. Um, so that's the first one. And, uh, well, um, it's, it's more that I'm thankful to the people who, um, who invited me to their family when I was um, a teenager and uh, quite lost. So that's important. You know, uh, faces come up of um, some people that uh, that help my company at this moment. Um, and they can be like, I mean, it's, it's this is not exclusive, but like there's a man of a, a bank, you know, in, 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 in the part of Amsterdam where my company is, um, who is touched by what we do also because his daughter is in the autistic spectrum and, you know, he has just offered to help. And these kind of things, uh, these kind of people and, and, and things like things that happen, I find very inspiring. I was recently, um, I got an email from um, the CFO, uh, the chief financial officer of a um, well-known but medium-sized Dutch um, vegetables, you know, uh, canned vegetables company. And she said, how can I help? And um, actually also her sister has a handicap. Et so it's, it's often that people have some kind of personal motivation. So this is when you say this, this is what comes up in me, that you meet these um, people from places you never thought of who just want to help. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly touching of what, what you're saying here is that the work that you're doing, it not only inspires you, but it inspires other people to want to help because it's it's connecting to that people part that we've been excluding within traditional business, you know, and allowing us to just be normal and be ourselves. Yeah. And, and um, like also some people, we work together with an accountant because we are, let's say, bookkeepers. And tax advisors, but accountants have a more official status. I, I don't know if that's exactly the same in England, but in Britain, sorry. Uh, and some people in this accountants also really work from this, um, you know, from from well this perspective. Um, I just wanted to mention the name because I think they they um, of this. Uh, the, the account is Bori, but the, the company, if, if Dutch people listen, they will all smile. It's Hak, <laughs> Hak Vegetable. <laughs> and, uh, 
I mean, you know, uh, they don't do. She doesn't do it because she's from Hak. Yeah. Uh, but I still find it. Uh, I don't know how to say moving or something like that. Yeah, moving. So then, what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this interview today, Otto? <laughs> you know, my first impulse is we're always always looking for clients. So uh, if you if you're looking for a good uh, bookkeeper or tax advisor, uh, come to Peer. Excellent. Um, just 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 something for curiosity. There, do you only work within Netherlands, or do you work? Do you have clients out with Netherlands? No, we at, at this moment we only work in the Netherlands. Although we have clients who work uh, worldwide, so we can do international taxes, but. I don't think we would be especially helpful for a company in, in Britain. I just wanted um, to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have one person once said, maybe I'll start Peer London, but um, that was, it didn't, who knows in the future. But what do I want people to take? Uh, take a, I think there is something uh, in our company that can inspire others, and that's also probably one of the reasons why I do this. I, I would say just take your, you know, pick up from it what you want. Not 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 you as an interviewer, but as a listener. You know, yeah. I don't need to say what you need to pick up in a way. Okay. Well then I'm to finish off, I'm just going to share my, what 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 I've taken away. Um, I think for me out of our conversation today, Otto, the most important thing has been um how to be em empathetic towards people, to just be able to be yourself, to continue to work on yourself and connect to people as human beings. And that is what creates an inspirational work culture and also an inspirational business that touches people. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your time today, Otto. It has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me as well. It helps me articulating some things. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature-centred business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the Nature Centred tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to Robert Eden, co-owner of Chateau Maurice, a biodynamic wine estate in the south of France and the home of the world's first carbon-neutral hemp brick wine cellar, to find out more about the power of biodynamic farming and how nature impacts Robert's business model. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.